and I turned my paper placemat over and I plotted my career out in two hours, 30 years. Mm. I plotted it out and said, someday I'm going to be a CEO. Always asked who, not what. I picked my jobs based on the leader. I picked the person that would mentor me and coach me, that would give me tough feedback on my blind spots, that would have difficult conversations. I was hyper aware that you're never in the room when your career is decided for you. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there. And plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey, everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, welcome to summer. I hope you had a fabulous 4th of July if you're celebrating here in the United States and everywhere else. I hope you are having fun in the sun. I'm excited to kick off our summer season with an amazing show and our guest, Scott Jeffrey Miller, the host of the popular Franklin Covey-sponsored podcast, Leadership with Scott Miller. But before we get to Scott, let's talk a little bit about your brand and the brand of your organization. Now, people always ask me, they say, hey, Jason, help me understand this. If I'm shopping and looking for the brand of a team or an organization, don't I need to meld myself and follow that brand? How is it that I show up as a unique and authentic person myself when we're supposed to follow everything at our company. Now, I love this question because this isn't about making yourself a clone at your company in the company's image. Rather, it's all about great co-branding. Now, we see co-branding all of the time, and I love it when two brands come together and make something magical. So when I think of something like co-branding, let's take something like Coca-Cola. Now, Coca-Cola is co-branded all of the time with organizations and brands like McDonald's or Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Now, they are two different things, right? McDonald's sells fast food. Coca-Cola is all about soda pop, right? Disney World and Disneyland are all about Disney-themed entertainment experiences, but somehow they all work together. When you go into McDonald's, they always have Coke products, right? Every McDonald's commercial has that beautiful classic Coca-Cola sipper right next to the hamburger or the chicken McNuggets. And they just seem to go together because both of those things have a brand that's about family and 
Americana and classic traditions. And then when you think about Coke and Disneyland, it's the same thing, right? They have similar brand attributes of family and fun and good times and memories that make Coke feel like it should exactly be at Coke Corner on Main Street USA or even sitting at the future Focus Tomorrowland Terrace. So think about it for yourself. How is it that you are co-branded but not being the same? When you are looking at your organization's brand, what is some of those elements that you share and how do you heighten those? But how do you also bring those brand elements of yourself, those attributes that are unique to you, so that one plus one equals three. Now, when you're looking for a new role, you can look out and say, hey, am I a good fit with this brand? Doesn't mean I have to be identical, but am I a good fit for this brand? Is this going to be a good co-marriage of brands when I'm looking at this team, when I'm looking at this manager, or I'm looking at this organization. And the great thing about brands is it's all about letting people know that you are for them And it's okay that you're articulating that you're not for them. So there may be times that you're looking at an organization or a team and you realize, I don't think I'm a great fit with this brand, or I don't know that I'm going to be additive. Maybe there's going to be too much brand friction here, and that's okay because that may mean that that is not a great fit for you. Well, let's jump in and talk about today's guest. It is Scott Jeffrey Miller. After a 25-year career in which he served as the Chief Marketing Officer and Executive Vice President, Scott currently serves as Franklin Covey's Special Advisor on Thought Leadership, leading the strategy, development, and publication of the firm's best-selling books and thought leadership. Scott hosts the Franklin Covey-sponsored On Leadership with Scott Miller, which is the world's largest and fastest-growing weekly leadership podcast, reaching more than 6 million people. Scott also authors a leadership column for Inc.com, hosted the weekly iHeartRadio show Great Life, Great Career with Scott Miller, and hosts and moderates Franklin Covey's BookClub.com series with world-renowned authors. Scott is also the author of the multi-volume Mess to Success series, including Management Mess to Leadership Success, 30 Challenges to Become the Leader You Would Follow, Marketing Mess to Brand Success, 30 Challenges to Transform Your Organization's Brand and Your Own. He is the co-author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Everyone Deserves a Great Manager, The Six Critical Practices for Leading a Team, and the author of the Amazon number one bestseller, Master Mentors, 30 Transformative Insights from Our Greatest Business Minds, which featured insights from his interviews with the leading thinkers of our time, including Seth Godin, Susan Cain, General Stanley McChrystal, and many others. In addition to his support with Franklin Covey's global thought leadership efforts, Scott has developed the Ignite Your Genius coaching series to help leaders take their careers from accidental to deliberate. We'll be back in just a few moments with Scott Jeffrey Miller. Miller, Miller, Miller. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. 
And we are back. We have an amazing guest with us today. It is Scott Jeffrey Miller, leadership guru and the author of the brand new book, The Ultimate Guide to Great Mentorship. Scott, what is going on today? It's great to be on, Jason. Thanks for the spotlight. Thanks for the platform. So, Scott, talk to me. Um, I know that you have been out, you know, you've you've had a whole career in executive leadership and, and mentorship. Now, I know you meet people all of the time, so we always talk about things like the elevator pitch. What's yours? What do you do when you need to introduce yourself and explain who you are to folks? How many how many minutes do I have? <laughs> we'll do the whole runtime of the show because you've got this amazing, crazy bio. I'll keep it short. First and foremost, I'm a dad. Uh, my wife and Stephanie and I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, and we have three sons that are 8, 11, and 13. And to my wife's absolute horror, they all have my personality and energy. So there's a lot going on in our house out here in Salt Lake City. I started my career in Orlando, Florida, where I was born and raised with my brother and family. I worked for the Walt Disney Company for four years, and then they invited me to leave, which is kind of how it goes at Walt Disney <laughs> when you plan. So, you know, back in 1996, where does a single Catholic boy move to? Well, of course, to Provo, Utah, where all the Catholics were, right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. There wasn't a single Catholic in Provo, Utah 30 years ago. But no, I had the enormous honor of the seminal author and thought leader and really hero of mine, Dr. Stephen R. Covey. He recruited me to join what is now the world's largest leadership company, the Franklin Covey Company. Dr. of Covey, of course, uh, authored the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, arguably mm -hmm. the most seminal book in the space yes. of personal leadership. I spent 25 years working in that firm. I moved from the front line all the way to the C-suite, where I became the chief marketing officer and the executive vice president of thought leadership for a decade. That is three times the national average for a public company CMO. I retired about two years ago from that firm as an officer, but I remain an ambassador for the company. I host what is now the world's largest weekly leadership podcast. It hits about 8 million people each Tuesday and Friday called On Leadership with Scott Miller. For those of you who maybe can see me behind me, if you're on video, I've authored seven books. I write a lot about leadership, career coaching, mentorship. It's a passion of mine. And like everybody else, I'm still trying to find out what is my purpose? What is my mission? <laughs> they stay married and turn my three sons into gentlemen. Those are my two passions. Ah, well, those are, those are some good passions to have. So Scott, take me back. Um, when you were a kid, what is it that you wanted to be when you grew up? You know, I'll tell you, there's two, two types of professionals. Yeah. Specialist and generalist. Mm. Um, on my podcast, I had the privilege of interviewing a guy named David Epstein, and he wrote a book called Range. It's a phenomenal book, highly recommended. And one of the premises of his book is that there are generalists and specialists. My brother, the oldest child, the favorite yeah. child, was a specialist, the right? favorite child. Well, you know, chemical engineer, went to MIT, got a master's in chemical engineering. He wore the badge, right? My parents valued the badge. <laughs> yeah. Doctor, massage therapist, dental hygienist, didn't matter as long as they were the with the badge. He's a specialist. And then along comes Scott, the black sheep. I'm a generalist, right? I, I decide that I'm going to become uh, a project manager. And then I become a realtor. And then I go to sales and marketing and thought leadership and podcasting. My parents still have no idea how I earn a living. <laughs> no idea. 
the fact of the matter is my brother out educated me 10 to one and I out earned him 10 to one. Mm. My point is I had no idea yeah. what I wanted to be when I grew up. I didn't know. And it was, it was this sort of comparison conundrum that, that, you know, um, suffocated me for all my life. And so my gift in my answer to all of your listeners, if you're a specialist, crush it. If you know you want to be a patent attorney in sixth yes. grade, nerd alert, but go do that. <laughs> if you know you want to be an anesthesiologist or a commercial airline pilot, go do that. Mm. Now, for the other, now, for the other 95% of you that are, aren't quite sure what it is you want to be when you grow up and you're still 30 and 40 and 50 years old, it's okay because I think generalists are being uh, massively rewarded for interpersonal skills, project yes. management skills, turning nothing into something. Don't fear. Your skills are enormously valuable. Yes. Now you spent 25 years working at Franklin Covey. So what what's the secret to staying at the same company for all of those years, but having all sorts of different roles? Well, that's just it. I was one of the privileged few that was able to build my entire career inside one organization. And by the way, not a very large company, right? I mean, yeah. the revenue of this firm is $300 million. It's a very small, not even a Fortune 10,000 company. But I was very strategic with my career. I was mm. very intentional. I did something early in my career that, that very few people have done. And that is one day I was at TGI Fridays. Remember that? Back like in the 90s. <laughs> all you can eat apps, stuff. right? That was it. It's true. All the apps you can eat. And I turned my paper placemat over. And I plotted my career out in two hours, 30 years. Mm. I plotted it out and said, someday I'm going to be a CEO. Always asked who, not what. I picked my jobs based on the leader. I picked the person that would mentor me and coach me, that would give me tough feedback on my blind spots, that would have difficult conversations. I was hyper aware that you're never in the room when your career is decided for you. Yeah. And that phrase is a little bit obnoxious and annoying, Yeah, but we know it is true. And when I heard that, I thought, I never want that to be the description of my career. I'm going to self-disrupt. And every three mm. or four years, I fired myself from my job before the metaphorical boot was coming because the metaphorical boot always is coming your way. Yeah. And I disrupted myself and moved myself before I got complacent or lazy or phoned it in. I always disrupted myself at the peak of my career. I never let myself slide down the backside of the slope. Yeah. And Scott, tell me, when was that first time? When was that first moment when you realized the boots coming and I don't want to dial it in and yes. you made a choice. Yeah. Well, I never really felt the boot coming for me, mm. but I saw it coming for a lot of other people. Ah. And I thought, yeah, so they've been in that job for seven years. That's two years too long as everybody's talking about it. I've been in my job for six years, time to go. Right? Yeah. So I always started looking for the next job about a year or two earlier I started gunning for that job while never letting my performance slip on my current job. Mm. And a lot of people make that mistake is they set their sights on the next job, but then their performance in their current job starts to lag. And therefore that becomes reputation. I made sure that I was maniacally crushing the job I was in yeah. while I was politicking for the job that I want. Yeah. And now you talked about seeking out those managers, those leaders that were going to yeah. give you that tough feedback. What yeah. was some of that tough feedback that you got 
that you made a change on that helped you get to a career breakthrough? Now, this is a seven-hour podcast, correct? <laughs> exactly. It's a seven-part <laughs> mini-series. <laughs> Two crimes. Exactly. Um, I, Jason, I, so many pieces, right? I mean, I think generally once I work, I'm going to give you two, two. I was living in Chicago and I was working as the general manager of a large multi-million dollar sales force. Yeah. And one day the gentleman who hired me flew out and he looked at me and he said, Scott, you are standing at a gas station and you're holding a match. Ooh. And then he went on to tell me how disappointed he was that I was not keeping confidences, that I was gossiping. I was sharing things that should have remained between he and I, you know, who was, who was getting ready to be fired, who was in or out. That I was just basically an immature gossip. Mm. And it was a really valuable intervention. He sat down and he, and he shared specific things that he felt that I had um, inappropriately trafficked in. Mm. He was right. I was embarrassed and I did a massive 360. Not mm. only did I not want to get fired, but I lost the confidence of the guy who had promoted me. Yeah. Here was another one. I was once in the C-suite. Now, I was a named executive officer in a global public company. The SEC was watching me, right? Yeah. They loved to get guys like me. And one day, the CEO, after a long executive team meeting, walked past me, and he simply looked me in the eye, and he said, Scott, you make too many declarative statements. And mm. he walked onto the restroom. Now, this is a CEO that I love. Yeah. We have nothing in common. He's quite mature and I'm quite immature, <laughs> quite deliberate. I'm quite impulsive. He likes to avoid conflict. I seek conflict out. Yeah. And so he simply said to me, Scott, you make too many declarative statements. And he was totally right. Right. I have this sort of swagger. I think I'm always right. I always raise my hand first. I always want to go first. I always think my opinion is the, and how ridiculous. And he really taught me in that one phrase mm. to speak more judiciously. Let mm. other people share first and then weigh in. Yeah. Pick your battles. Are you losing? Are you, are, you, are you winning battles at the expense of the war? Like, yeah. you know, a lot of people win the battle, but they lose the war. Yeah. The war for influence, the war for reputation, the war for brand, the war for promotion. And so it was that valuable feedback feedback from him that I started to be much more careful and judicious in what I did and what I said. Mm. Now, take me back. You were talking a little bit about working for Disney and you were, of course, on the big celebration project down there. Now, now that came to an end and, and you said they showed you the door, right? As, 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 as always happens. So earlier on in your career, though, how did you handle a setback like that when you're working for, you know, really one of the world's most iconic brands. Well, this phrase is very true. Um, you can't talk yourself out of a problem you behaved yourself into. Mm. And my time was up, right? It was the wrong company for me. It was a great company to start in. It was the wrong company for me to end in. And I left because of, you know, my performance mm. and my behavior mm. and the decisions I had made. Mm. The people I had aligned myself with, I have no regrets, learned a lot. One of the worst days of my life. But the fact of the matter is the next day was one of the best days of my life because they had reached, we had released me from a career that wasn't meant to be mine. Yeah. 
And it really got me associated with the Franklin Covey company where I was hanging around people of higher character and better performance. By the way, I had an amazing experience at Disney. I have nothing but positive things to say about the culture, the mission, the values, the leadership, the people who fired me to this day. I think they're amazing people. And I deserved it. Mm. And I moved on. Yeah. Never looked back. And now talk to me about your brand new book. First off, you've got tons of books out there, but what is exciting and why should we all go out and buy The Ultimate Guide to Great Mentorship? So this is a book I'm very passionate about. I wrote this book called The Ultimate Guide to Great Mentorship because I'm sure like you, Jason, I've been on the receiving end of some amazing um, mentorship in my life. I've been a mentor to people. And I don't think there's any correlation between being a great leader and being a great mentor. They're not the same. So Scott, you said there's a difference between leadership and mentorship. So say more about that. I think a lot of people think that a criteria, Jason, of being a great mentor is being a great leader. And some of the skills transfer, but not always. When I think Mm. of great leaders, some of those qualities include a bias to action, uh, an accelerated um, adoption of ideas. Sometimes you ask very piercing, penetrating questions because you're, you're, you've been taught to peel the onion and get to the root cause. And those are great business skills, but they're not mm. always great mentorship skills. Yeah, Great mentors have to know when to slow down, when to listen. They have to know that the vision for your career may not be the right vision for your mentee's career, that you may have to exercise an unnatural level of patience where with a younger mentee in some cases where they may not have the level of sophistication you have or the mm. education or the business acumen or all the life experience that you've been able to process decisions earlier. There's lots of criteria that leaders have to unlearn in order to become a great mentor. Yeah. And so, Scott, you really define your book as 13 roles to making a true impact. What were a couple of the roles that kind of surprised you as you put pen to paper that, you know, people wouldn't automatically think of? Well, what most surprised me is, of course, when I wrote the book, I had people review it. And then when they learned there was 13 roles, well, actually there was 15 roles, they passed out. They're like, Scott, you were the second (laughs) habits guy. How do you possibly think you're going to have 13, 15 roles? So I threw them a bone and I moved it from 15 down to 13. Anyway, <laughs> to, answer, to answer your question, I think the one that most surprised me is the need for number two. Role number two is called the boundary setter. Mm. The boundary setter is really about making sure that as the mentor, and by the way, the book is written for mentors, not necessarily mentees. Yes. How to be a great mentor. This is really about coming into the relationship and making sure that your mentee doesn't have any embarrassing moments where they ask you to do something that they shouldn't. So I'll role play. Jason, looking forward to our multi-week mentoring session. I understand you've got some passions that you're trying to figure out, whether you should be an orthopedic surgeon or whether you should be a litigation attorney. Those are not the same. So we'll talk about those. Um, I've not become either of those, but I know a few of those. So I'm happy to mentor you in that. What I'd like to do for a couple of moments Jason, is to set some boundaries. So let's have an uncomfortable conversation for about three minutes. Uncomfortable. And then we'll go back to being comfortable in a moment. Mm. Jason, there's three or four things I need you to know as I mentor you in the coming months and maybe year. One is, um, let's not confuse the role of a mentor Uh. with that of a champion, an ally, 
or a supporter. Those are not the role of a mentor, right? I'm not your ally, your champion, or your supporter. I'm your mentor. My job is to help guide you on the best way to achieve the goals that you identify. That's the ah. first thing. Secondly, I'm not a therapist. Now, I have a parent, <laughs> and I'm a spouse, and I'm a leader, but I'm not a therapist or a practitioner of psychotherapy. So if there's any issues that come up, let's make sure that we don't ask me to do something that I'm not qualified to do, right? Yes. And then lastly, Jason, I think it's important to also set the boundary that, as you know, I've had a fairly public career and have a pretty large connection to a lot of uh, celebrities and business leaders. And I guard those with great jealousy. I do not make connections to my network easily. Ah. I'm just going to ask that you not put me in an awkward position of making any connections that's not the role. I'm not, I'm not a private equity funder. I'm not a venture capitalist. And I'm also not a Rolodex. Now, beyond that, I'm going to be pretty good. But by the way, Jason, I think it's important that you express some of your boundaries. I'll bet you have some that you might want to share as the mentee also. It isn't just about what I want. It's about what you want. So mm. is there anything in your world that you'd like me to also be respectful of and not put you into an uncomfortable situation? I'd love to hear it. Yeah. You get the point. Yeah. It's important to set boundaries. Good fences make good neighbors. I've mentored people before where they've asked me to make connections to some celebrity or some author or football player. And I'm like, you know, I'm sorry, I don't know you that well because my brand is my reputation. Absolutely. And I'm not going to lend that to you until you have proven yourself trust, trust, trustworthy, until you have behaved yourself into a reputation of making and keeping commitments and keeping confidences and things like that. Now, I think it's important to set boundaries up front. Yeah. So in case your mentee does prove you wrong, you might later in the mentor session say, you know what, actually, I think Matthew McConaughey is looking for an intern. Mm. Would you have any interest in talking with his team about being, you know, so it might change later on. You never know. Absolutely. But I set them high up front so I can choose to keep them high or lower them. I think that is counterintuitive to most mentors that say, oh my gosh, I have a, I have a great network. Yeah, That's whatever what you want. Right? No <laughs> way. You've got to turn yourself into it. And that's not because I have a scarce mindset. I have a very abundant mindset. But I want my network to know if I refer someone into you, there are quality it's my peeps. reputation as much as theirs. Yeah, yeah. It's a key brand management uh, element right. as well. Absolutely. So, so Scott, let's talk a little bit about your professional brand, right? I mean, you are, you have been an executive, you have been a leader, you're a thought leader, you're a personality, you're a podcaster, you're an author. Give me three words that you or others would use to describe Scott Jeffrey Miller. Impulsive, disciplined, and loyal. Ooh, impulsive, disciplined, and loyal. So talk to me about how you can be impulsive and disciplined at once. Oh, you can't. <laughs> I'm, I'm too media trained to answer that question. I mean, maybe you can, but I actually think they're counterintuitive. The most, most, the most successful people in life say no the most often. Yeah. Because... You know, when you say no, that means you know what your goals are and nothing will come in between those. And yeah. I, like all people, like to please people. I like to uh, uh, try a lot of different things. And it comes to the expense of 
sometimes high quality work. Yeah. And so I don't know that discipline and impulsivity can live in the same space at the same time. The most disciplined people are the most focused people. They're comfortable being disliked. By the way, I'm comfortable being disliked, but as I mature, <laughs> as I mature, I am comfortable being more and more disliked because I don't want you to like me at the expense of my priorities and my values and things that I want to accomplish. Ah. So I'd rather be disciplined than impulsive. I also find that um, I sometimes say yes too quick. I say yes to too much. I agree to too much. And then I realize, yeah, that's going to kind of come back to haunt me. I can't do Mm. all those things with the level of quality that differentiates myself from someone else. Absolutely. That really is an important branding aspect, right? Is what is your, what are the key differentiators about how you do your work, how you make and keep commitments from someone else? Yeah. And so what are the key differentiators between you and all of the other executive thought leaders out there? Why would we turn to Scott Jeffrey Miller versus the others? Well, one is, I mean, I I can't talk about them, but I can talk about me. Yeah. Is I make and keep commitments. Mm. When I tell you that I'm going to publish 12 books, I publish 12 books. When I tell you that I'm going to interview XYZ person, I read their entire book and I show up on time. Yeah. So I make and keep commitments. Some people don't make commitments because they're fearful of keeping them. Some people make commitments, but don't keep them. And my batting average has increased. I used to be the kind of guy that made 10 commitments and kept eight. Uh, and I left two people in the lurch. Yeah. And I'm trying to become the guy that makes six commitment, makes six commitments and keeps six commitments. So yeah. I'm maturing on that. Yeah. I think that's a differentiator. I think that I'm not the smartest cat on the block, but I will outwork you guaranteed. Ah. So I still think that hard work is a key differentiator. It is a brand. I get up every day at four o'clock in the morning, like clockwork. I write my column for Inc. Magazine. I write my books. I work on my podcast. I'm a dad from about 6.30 to 8.30. I'm an entrepreneur (laughs) again from 8.30 to 3.30. I'm a dad again from 3.30 to 6.30. I'm an entrepreneur from 6.30 to 9.30. And then I am out cold asleep at 9.30. I have never once (laughs) finished an episode of House Hunters International. I have no idea what house is because I am out cold at 9.30, up again at 4 a.m. I still very much believe in the value of hard work. Yeah. And talk to me about loyalty because I feel a lot of people say, oh, I'm loyal and, and this. What does loyalty look like on you, Scott? I don't treat people how they treat me. Mm. I treat people based on my own values. You don't need to be loyal to me for me to be loyal to you. Mm. So I don't treat people based on how they treat me. I have learned that life is short and life yeah. is long. Yeah. Life is short and life is long. And loyal friends and loyal colleagues are hard to come by. Yeah. And so I want to be that person that you can depend on. If you need me to bail you out of jail, I'll be there with the cash at 4 a.m. <laughs> if you need a place to spend the night because your wife kicked you out, come on over. I'll open a beer. If you, uh, if you need me to stick by you in times of difficulty, I'm your guy. I'm not fickle. I'm not fleeting. I'm jealous. I'm petty. I'm fatiguing, <laughs> but I'm very loyal. I'm also self-aware. <laughs> I am. I'm very petty and I'm very jealous, but those things can coexist with loyalty. Yeah. Right? I can be jealous of your happiness and celebrate it. 
mm. at the same time. Yes. Now, how how has your brand evolved over the years? Devolved or evolved? <laughs> ah, evolved. I think I am more disciplined in my thought. Mm. I think just because I have a thought does not mean it needs to be expressed. I used to be one of those guys that always said what is on my mind. And that's quite selfish and can be hurtful. Yeah. So I'm much more deliberate between the space between what I'm thinking yeah. and what I am saying. Not all of my thoughts need to be expressed. And so I'm more deliberate and intentional about that. Mm. I'm more mature about the power and impact of words, how they can hurt someone or they can actually lift someone up and transform them by validating their genius. Mm. I'm more careful with my time. I don't waste time. I'm more pressured with how I organize my day. Yeah. I'm more grateful. Mm. I'm more appreciative of the small things I have and also more grateful for the things I don't have. Yeah. I recognize that you'll never have enough until you've defined how much is enough. Mm. Money, cars, vacation time, fame, credit, attention. And so I've started to define how much of those things is enough so that I'm not on a constant black hole pursuit of them. Yes. And now, Scott, one of the things that you shared was being disciplined about saying no to things. Yes. That kind of drag you off brand yes. or off yes. your value. What are some of the things that over time you've learned to say no to? I'm going to give you a story. Yeah. This morning, my phone rang. It was a dear friend of mine named Platt. He lives here in Utah. He's a fairly famous writer and ghostwriter. He's also a curriculum designer. And he's working with a Middle Eastern royal family, mm. helping to train hundreds of the family members and business leaders and some certain curriculum. It's a big multi-million dollar contract with the yeah. Middle East yeah. Royal Family. Platt called me up this morning and said, hey, there are 500 members of this Royal Family and they want to design like a beautiful kit that has all these quotes in it and all these pages. And you, Scott, are the most sophisticated person I know. I fooled him. And when I think <laughs> of quality in class, I think of Scott Miller. Would you like to take on this project and design this beautiful kit for this Middle Eastern royal family? Now, what you may not know about me is my day job is I'm a talent speaking and literary agent. My real yeah, business yeah. is I'm a talent agent. And I said, hey, so, so when do you need it by? And he said, well, mid-July. Now, I'm in the middle of launching this new book, The Ultimate Guide to Great Mentorship, right? I have 150 clients in my speaking literary agency. I have another book called Career on Course coming out next fall. I designed several courses. My three sons are out of school in six days, and we need to play basketball, which I hate. We need to play <laughs> tennis, which I love. We need to go to the club and go swimming. We're going to France for vacation. Now, this could have been a very lucrative project, right? Middle yeah. East royal family. Cha-ching. I said, Platt, I need to pass. I said, now listen to me. If you've promised it to them and you're in a bind, I will pull this out. But I need to say no. Now, by the way, this project could have funded my trip to France, right? And yeah. mama yeah. likes the Gucci, so this ain't <laughs> going to be a cheap trip. So this, could, this project could have funded my trip to France. But I said no. I yeah. said, unless you're in a bind, and if you're in a bind, oh, I will do this for you because I'm loyal. But I said no. 
I'm not going to do it. And he said, thank you. If this isn't that kind of project, I'll pass on it if you're going to pass on it. So now a year ago, I would have said probably yes. And I would have yeah. gotten it over yeah. my head. I would have delivered on it. I probably would have ended up flying to Saudi Arabia with 500 kits in my luggage because I missed the printing deadline and flown coach for 40 hours. But I would have gotten it there on time. But today I said, you know what? I don't need that money for all the disruption it's going to cost my wife on packing for the trip with three boys without me. All the disruption from being at my son's, you know, graduation ceremony from sixth grade to seventh grade. And the fact that my son has a tennis tournament this week, I need to be present at because my wife's going to be at a college reunion. The old me would have said yes to that and then just asked everybody to take on more. But, you know, I've got three sons that are getting ready to go on summer vacation and that's more important than this. So maybe we'll buy less Gucci in France. Mm. Note to wife. Um, but that's a good example of how I'm starting to say no to things. Yeah. Now, one of the really cool roles that you had at Franklin Covey was being the chief marketing officer. So as someone who's been a chief marketing officer, what are some things that you and your team did to brand and market Franklin Covey and the Franklin Covey products that you think people could use to brand themselves in their own career? Well, so I wrote a book called uh, uh, Marketing Mess to Brand Success. Mm. I highly recommend it. It's basically 30, 30 uh, challenges to build yeah. a brand that you're proud of. Highly recommend this book, Marketing Mess to Brand Success. But here's a couple. One is customer first. Mm. Is You've got to become intimately acquainted with what is the circumstance your customer is in? What is the problem they're trying to solve? What is the crisis they're trying to move through? What what words do they use to describe it? You might call it engagement and they call it productivity. You might call it teeth cleaning and they call it French kissing. I mean, whatever it is, (laughs) you need to learn the circumstance, the exact circumstance your client is in and what do they call it? What are they hiring you to do? Not what do you call it on the executive team meeting or the marketing meeting, but get really clear on what is the problem your client is trying to solve. You cannot be all things to all people. That's the first thing. Yeah. It's the customer, stupid, not you. Secondly, better is better, not more is better. Mm. I've written seven books. They've all sold well. None of them sold a million copies. Because I write, I write really solid. B plus books. I don't write A books. Maybe I should have written one book that sold a million copies versus eight books that sold a hundred thousand copies. Now I don't mean to trash talk by writing. I mean my books sell well and I keynote speak on them. But uh, better is better, not more is better. Yeah, is be thoughtful about volume versus quality. Yes. No hijinks. Nothing's going to go viral. No tricks. No, you know. Skip all of that. You can just, you can, you know, it takes years to build a brand. It takes a tweet to destroy a brand, right? Be super mm. thoughtful. When I was the chief marketing officer, everything was quadruple checked. Nothing went to print, was mailed, went live on a website unless four people reviewed it. And mm. two of them needed to have an undergraduate English degree. Commas versus semicolons. Yes. Punctuation, grammar, tenses, no mistakes. Four people read everything. Those are some good 
those are some really good basic fundamentals. Measure twice, cut once. Mm. Don't cut out crap. Take your time. Words to live by. Well, I know, Scott, we could talk all day long, but I have a couple of quick and fun questions to close us out. We've been talking all about your brand, but what is your favorite brand? What are you obsessed with as a consumer? I love that you asked that. I love Ralph Lauren. Ah, and why? Many reasons. Ralph Lauren, first of all, has dominated the prep scene internationally. (laughs) Absolutely. Ralph Lauren is Jewish. Ralph Lauren's real name is Ralph Lipschitz. And he rebranded himself as Ralph Lauren to become the iconic 50-year-plus most famous designer in America. Yeah. Homewares, housewares, leisure wear, formal wear, couture. This guy has never had a scandal. He's never had a slip up. He has a 50-year marriage with four kids that have launched well. He has been insanely philanthropic. He, I think, has had the most steady, stable brand of any brand in the history of mankind. Mm. And I think if you watch and study his life, it is a masterclass in reputation and brand building. Yes. You've got got a middle-class Jewish guy that has dominated the international white Anglo-Saxon Protestant preppy brand. And I think it has done masterfully genius. And he's built a lifestyle that hundreds of millions of people have bought into across cultures, religions, regions. You go to, you go to Japan, everyone's wearing big pony polos. You go yeah. to Malaysia, everyone's wearing Ralph Lauren. You go to Connecticut, you know. So I'm a huge fan of Ralph Lauren's products and his brand. Love that. Now, uh, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? A convertible Bentley. Mm, and why? Because why then, are you like because that? Because then, then Jennifer Lopez would be my best friend. <laughs> She's not already? I'm so disappointed. <laughs> no, I've got, I've got an awesome wife. Uh, I love Bentleys. I don't own a Bentley. I think they're beautiful. I think they're elegant. The quality, the safety, the attention to detail, the style. The resale value, I just think when you've sat in a Bentley, oh my gosh, you will cash in your 401k to buy one. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't do that, by the way. (laughs) And finally, Scott, what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Oh, always pick your leader over the job. When Mm. you're looking for a new career, you pick the leader first. What are her values? How does she see her legacy? How will she invest in you? Does she get jealous if you were to actually eclipse over her? Mm. How, does she see delight in your success? Mm. Is she willing to move outside of her comfort zone and give you feedback on your blind spots and have difficult, throw-up worthy, vomit-worthy conversations about how you are received? Pick your leader first always. Love that. Well, Scott Jeffrey Miller, it has been amazing having you on the show. The book is The Ultimate Guide to Great Mentorship, 13 Roles to Making a True Impact, drops on July 11th. And where can folks get the book? You can buy it wherever books are sold. Amazon, Barnes Noble Books, a million independent bookstores. It's in print, audio, and in digital. 
I'd love to have you pick up a copy. I think you'll find it a fast, easy, breezy read. and It will make you a better friend, parent, girlfriend, partner, significant other, mentor, leader. It's all that in one book. Yes. And it's a quick and easy read, which I love. Yeah. Thank you. Thank awesome. You. Well, thank you, Scott. And uh, we will catch you next time. Jason, thank you for the platform and the spotlight. I appreciate your abundance. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, what an amazing conversation with Scott Jeffrey Miller, the host of On Leadership with Scott Miller. You know, he had so many amazing things to say, but one of the things that really stood out for me was his whole notion that he planned his career by really looking at managers versus the particular job role that was open. You know, Scott was always looking out and saying, who is it that I want to work for? Who is it that is going to help amplify my value? Who is it that's going to coach me? Who is it that is going to teach me some skills that I may be lacking? And when we talk about that co-branding piece, that's what we're talking about. When you're looking for that manager, how are you co-branding yourself with that amazing leader? It doesn't mean that you need to be this perfect, identical brands there. No, not at all. It could be, what are those compliments that I'm going to get from my manager? And what are those things that I can compliment my manager that I bring value to the table. In many ways, I think of it like the old days when Target, the great place to shop, was evolving and they started doing co-branding. They did co-branding with fashion designer Isaac Mizrahi because they were saying, you know what? We're kind of missing the hipness and the cool factor. We deliver great value and bring things in an affordable way, but maybe we can co-brand where one plus one equals too. So I challenge you to continue to think, what is it that you can do so that your brand is a great co-brand with your manager, your team, or the organization that you work for. Well, that's our show for today. If you loved what you heard, make sure you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll bring you a brand new episode every single week. Check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms, and hit me up and connect on LinkedIn. If you've got a question or a comment, I'd love to hear it there, and I'm happy to share your thoughts, your ideas, and answer some of your questions on a future show. Now, most of all, and most importantly, in your career, don't being a boring old commodity like coffee, make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.